0: Welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. It was a very nice weekend, very beautiful weekend. Did a lot of yard work this weekend with the family, but when in doing yard work, so you know, a lot of people know this because you got to go get new plants to plant in the yard. There's nothing worse to me than going to a greenhouse or something or picking out plants at least with my family members, my mom, my grandma, uh, whoever it is, I just cannot go to greenhouses. I did they're just always hot dude. it might be 6 it might be 50 degrees outside and cloudy and rainy. I just add the rain in there as well. And it's a 100 degrees in all sun with 90 deg- 90% humidity in a greenhouse. Like no matter where you are, if you were if you were in an Antarctica, The greenhouse is going to be about a 1,000 degrees. It feels terrible. Now, we didn't go to a greenhouse this weekend. It was more like, I mean, it was kind of a greenhouse. But went outside, looked at plants with my mom. And, yeah, we were there for an hour, which felt like an eternity. I just can't. I've just never been able, never been good at going to those places. Just never been good at that. But we got some yard work done this weekend. And Again, I hope you enjoyed this beautiful weekend. It was a great weekend. To get out and stretch the legs go for a run go for a bike ride whatever you wanted to do it was a beautiful weekend and as far as today goes uh today it can just go do its own thing today is not the a pretty day especially just looking out of my basement window that i have right here next to my to my right it is not great outside right now it's 55 degrees there's a 50% chance of rain at 12, and then for the rest of the day, it's about a 90% chance of rain. 57 degrees is the high. 55 is going to be the high tomorrow with rain again. There's a 60% chance of rain right now. Wind's coming to the east at 14 miles an hour. Air quality is good, and it feels like 52 degrees. And if you're in Cedar Falls still, you're not dealing with this until tonight. But as of right now, if you're in Cedar Falls, it's just a cloudy day. But I went outside today with my mom and sister. They were getting the cushions off the deck, off the deck furniture, and it was a little chilly outside. I am pretty cold. (laughs) My basement's cold enough as it is, but I am a lot colder than I usually am. I got my shorts on. I got a a long sleeve shirt on. I had a Zoom meeting that went seven minutes over just going over what one person was doing for their plans after this year. We had to talk to one person, and it was after class. Okay, class, that's all we're going to do today. At, like, 10.52, and then we had five minutes of asking this kid what he's going to do after school. I don't care. I just want this meeting to be over. I didn't even want to come to this meeting today. I was kind of hoping for, like, those, you know, some of those teachers, like, at the end of the semester will be like, if you come, uh, attendance is not required for this class. It's the last class, especially for a Zoom meeting. It's the last class we're doing. And you show up then like, oh, go, extra credit for everybody who showed up today. Ooh. That's what I was hoping for. That did not happen. I just wasted 57 minutes of my life watching presentations people were giving about their interpersonal communication things. I didn't mind last Wednesday. So I wasn't really excited to just sit there and watch the rest of them on Friday and today, but We are done with that class. It's now 11.18 right now, so we've had a little bit of time to to simmer down. But since it's a Zoom meeting, you can't really, like, unless you have the camera off, which in this class, the camera's required to be on, you can't really say anything to yourself. Even if you're muted, you can't talk to yourself. So I was covering my mouth saying, like, come on, wrap this up, wrap this up, wrap this up, wrap this up. Like, I was just ready to be done. I was not having a good time. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to sit there. I was just not really doing anything. I just wasn't excited for Zoom meetings. Zoom meetings are not very exciting. And this semester, at least this last half of the semester, has gave me a newfound, um, I don't really know what to call it. Do you call it respect for online classes? Because I like online classes. I have never had a problem with online classes. I took some last summer and they're pretty nice. They don't need to go anywhere. There's not a required timetable for it, but when every single one of your classes is online, you seem to find motivation a lot harder to come by for these classes. But thankfully, I didn't really struggle that bad. But when it first started, I was struggling trying to find time to do things like, or not find time, just motivate myself to that, especially with the draft around two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. I was struggling. During those first weeks of quarantine, or not quarantine, because I was not quarantined, but those first weeks of classes online, that was a struggle. Big time struggle. But, this is the last week of classes. For everybody, if you're a senior graduating, congratulations, move on to your next portion of your life. It's a weird weird situation to leave college, and it's probably going to be a lot harder, or not probably, it will be a lot harder to find a job now than if you graduated last year or the years coming up. This year is going to be really hard to find a job. Thankfully, on that note, it's, well, not I'm not thankful because I'm stuck on two things here. I want to be done with school, but I'm also happy that I have a semester left because I the, hopefully things will start opening up and there'll be a better chance of people getting hired around the January mark, or if not, in the summer of next year. Around this time next year, maybe we start looking at situations like that. Where people start to get hired. But this year, this like summer is going to be hard to find a job. Thankfully, along with being a school for an extra semester, I can work for my dad. So I always got a job. That's why he's always told me. If the sports radio thing doesn't work out for whatever reason, you always got a job working for me. And I'm like, okay, I got a nice little safety net there. So I will never be without a job. That's something I'm very happy about. Is it something I would like to work in for the rest of my life? not at all. And he is well aware of that. He's made jokes about it my entire life. One of my first jobs was on a paving crew. i helped, I worked for Alliance construction, which is one of his, uh, companies that he provides washout bins for. It was not fun. I was 15 years old working on a paving crew. So it was a little bit of a, yeah, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. This is not really what I want to be doing. And I found that out rather quick. I would go to football practice in the morning because we did the the summer camp practice thing and drive down to wherever the job site was and go work for that for the rest of the day. And being as young as I was, I couldn't really do anything. All I did was pound pins into the ground. But again, I've always got a job, so I better make this stuff work. (laughs) But if you are aware of what today is, not only is it the last day of some classes for a lot of you, like some classes for some people were done last week for those smaller private universities. A lot of private universities were done last week. A lot of the more public universities are being done this week. But today, without focusing on school, we had to talk about school for a little bit because that was irking me a little bit. But it is May 4th. And you know what that means? May the 4th be with you. It's so weird to say that may the fourth be with you sound like Samuel Jackson. You sound like Mace Windu talking. May the fourth be with you always. If what you have told me is true, you will have gained my trust. It's more like his Kingsman version. He doesn't really talk of the list, but his, his King, Samuel Jackson and Kingsman, he has the list. Well, just imagine that guy as Mace Windu and then you'll get what I'm saying. But they were last night. They had some Star Wars episodes. I bet it was leading up to May 4th. So, they had episode 1 on. They had episode 2 on right after that. I'm guessing 3 was on after that. Of course, I didn't watch those episodes. Because I was wa- I was planning on watching The Last Dance. Which I did. We'll get to that shortly. But, happy May the 4th. I don't have my lightsabers here. So, it's a little disappointing. They're all up at my house in Cedar Falls. So, hopefully my roommates make some creative content with the lightsabers in my green screen that i have in my room but happy may the fourth everybody and on the light again on a lighter note because it's not a great day looking out the windows it's gonna be rainy all day so just trying to keep the spirits up at least for this first part of the show and sports this was announced today are starting to make a comeback Slowly but surely, we are starting to get more and more live sports back. The Korean Baseball League will be airing less than 14 hours or less than 13 hours from right now. ESPN will be airing live baseball six days a week this week. So, almost every day this week, we are going to have some sort of live sport. Whether it's, I don't care if it's the Korean Baseball League, it is live sports. We haven't had live sports in months i think two and a half months it's been maybe a month and a half I, my months might be off again i'm not really good at months right now because every day just feels like the exact same day there was something i saw on twitter or instagram it was the days i know are yesterday today and tomorrow i don't know what days those are but i they are days so that's how i'm gonna remember this stuff but we got some live sports coming up in the la liga The Spanish Soccer League over in Spain, obviously, the Soccer League over in Spain would have been better to say. But Spanish Soccer League just sounds cooler. Uh, They're starting training. Their training stuff is resuming this week. They are trying to get games in uh, sometime in June. Don't have an exact date pinpointed yet. But they are targeting June start times. So as we get more and more updates on this, sports are slowly, slowly starting to irk its way back into our lives and that is beautiful love it getting so excited can't wait for baseball season to start football season just please don't be affected by it please football season don't be affected by it but that's It's just great it's just great to see live sports is slowly but surely coming back and while we don't have live sports right now we do have netflix hulu youtube Spotify, if you want to just jam out to music all day, you got all these different opportunities to do things without live sports. But if you want to catch some sports that wasn't live, I mean it was live at some point. Watch the Last Dance, which episodes five and six were aired last night on ESPN, and they were fantastic ones as always. And before we get into the uh, the what do they call it the the meat and potatoes. I said that a lot last semester, but I haven't really said a lot recently before we get into the whole last dance recap thing. I've been seeing this. uh, It's kind of getting mixed results on Twitter of people not liking the timeline thing where they play a little bit in the 98 season, then go back in time to like 84 or something like that. But some for the people that don't like it shut up. <laughs> this stuff's awesome because it gives you a further backstory of what happened. Like they were talking about the 98 season. Jordan's putting on his first air Jordans that he wore for his last game is bleeding. His feet are bleeding. See, they're They're old shoes. They're what? 14 years old. So they're a little old. So they go, you take you back. And then you got Jordan and the shoe deals. So that's what's so great about it. Because if you were just doing the 97 98 season, that would be an episode or two. This is going to be a 10 week thing. you got to go through the entire story of the Chicago Bulls leading up to the 99, 98, 9, eh, 97 98 season. That's the whole point of the documentary. It's not just about the 97 98 season. It's what built up or what led up to that moment in time, which is what makes it beautiful. Documentary, I love it. I love it. In episode five, as we said, with or wait, was that, was that this one? Yeah, episode five. I had to make sure I had my notes for my episodes right here because episode five and six, I struggled to remember what episode six like. A lot of the stuff in episode six, episode five was loaded with information. I loved episode five. It was loaded with everything you wanted. And we'll start off with this. It was the Kobe verse Le- uh, Kobe verse MJ all-star game 19 year old Kobe Bryant versus a whatever age 38 years old Michael Jordan 36 I don't remember how old he was crazy stuff and people are talking about Kobe like oh he's the next Michael Jordan Michael talking in the locker room of this guy's gonna make it a one-on-one game he's gonna target everybody if you don't get if you don't get the rebound that's the only way you're getting the ball (laughs) which I thought was really fun I'd Forced my way to get a rebound. Otherwise, I ain't touching the ball their entire game. It was crazy. And it made a lot of people on social media upset. It was a very sad thing to see because the start of the show was in memory of Kobe Bryant. Which makes it really sad. And it's still hard to believe that actually happened. I'm I'm still in shock that that actually took place. That Kobe Bryant is no longer with us. And I'm not sitting here saying I was the biggest Kobe Bryant fan because I wasn't. I really didn't care for the Lakers. I wasn't a really big fan of Kobe, to be honest, because I'm was a I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. So when you see somebody getting, that does the same things that Jordan did, it kind of just like does this. I, I don't know. I didn't really have a, re- I just was never a big Kobe Bryant fan. I'll just say it like that. I just was never a big Kobe Bryant fan, but that doesn't make the situation let I, it's still an insanely sad situation and it takes you back like man all of the things we did in middle school like with the kobe fading back and shooting paper uh bald rolled up balls of paper into a trash can we did that for years or still it's probably doing even more now than it was back then but it was still sad seeing in memory in memory of kobe bryant loving memory of kobe bryant it's like man Whether you're a fan of Kobe Bryant or not, it's still extremely sad. And you cannot deny the greatness that Kobe possessed. And he's even said, everything that you see me do, I got it from him. And Kobe talking about Michael. Michael says that Kobe stole all of his moves in joking matter. He says it all the time. And you see little Froby walking down the NBA All-Star Game, standing next to Michael Jordan. It's crazy. They were talking about Kobe Bryant at 19 the same way they talked about him when he left the league. Man's a problem. One of the greatest basketball players all the time. Next Michael Jordan is what people called him. And my dad said this my entire life. He's the closest thing to Michael Jordan our generation has. And that's not – I have to say this because there's going to be someone that takes this the wrong way. This never was saying that he's better than LeBron because he's not. But in regards to skill level, like same things that they do – The style in which they did it, the bald head, the fadeaways, the mid-range game, the buzzer beaters. Because I saw last night, Michael Jordan has nine buzzer beater shots made throughout his career. Postseason, regular season, which is the most of all time. Kobe Bryant and Joe Johnson have eight, which is second all time. So just the same, they did the exact same things. They're side-by-side things of like, they'll see Michael starting off something and then Kobe finishes it or Kobe starts something, Michael finishes it it's crazy Kobe Bryant was awesome awesome back then awesome basketball player still he was and always will be a legendary figure in the game of basketball number eight I love Froby Froby's awesome I wore number eight in soccer not because of Kobe Bryant but number eight is just a sweet number number eight is sweet Zach Levine for the Chicago Bulls my current favorite player in the league. Where's number eight because of Kobe Bryant? He wore 14 in college, eight in the NBA. Daniel Jones, starting quarterback for the New York Giants. Where's number eight because of Kobe? Because I think 17 was taken when he got to the Giants, so he just chose eight, and he said Kobe was the reason he chose it. You can look up the quote. I don't know how serious it was, but he's like, I don't know, Kobe? Or something like that. He He said he chose number eight because of Kobe. Crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy stuff. He's not here anymore, but yeah, awesome scene, seeing Kobe and Michael paired up for the first time in the all-star game in New York craziness. And with Kobe at that time, a lot of you know this, maybe, maybe you don't, but Kobe, when he started his career was an Adidas guy and he got some of the ugliest shoes you'll ever see. Look at Kobe Bryant, Adidas shoes. Those things are disgusting. They're not good shoes. They look like bricks, <laughs> but Kobe rocked them. Kobe was an Adidas guy and then switched to Nike. And I didn't know this until last night. Michael Jordan wanted to be Adidas guy. Adidas just was like, we don't, we can't get a shoe for you already. If I remember right, I think they could have they could have said something else, but that's what I'm remembering it as. But Michael Jordan, Was almost an Adidas guy. Think about that. The Jordan brand, like in Adidas, the three stripes on Jordans. Jeez, that's crazy to think about how he was almost Adidas. And then Converse was another one because Converse was the big shoe deal at the time, shoe brand at the time. He had Magic, Larry Bird, bunch of other guys in Converse. Best players in the league were Converse. It's the official shoe of the NBA, was what it was called in the documentary. Yet some people were in Converse now, like Dwayne Wade wore Converse for a little bit, but you don't see Converse on the basketball court anymore. We're just now starting to see Puma on the basketball court. Maybe they had Pumas back in the day, but they're never really, really big. And Nike, at the time, was just running shoes. So you had Jordan wanting to be Adidas, Nike only being running shoes, and Converse being the biggest brand in basketball for shoes. How crazy is that? That's like completely flipped now. Jordan was wanting Adidas, and then they flew him out to uh, the Nike headquarters, and he didn't even want to go. His parents made him go. His mom and dad made him go out there. They welcomed him in. And made him, or had a huge contract offer. I can't remember the exact numbers, but his dad was like, you'd be a fool to not take this kind of money. You'd be an idiot or stupid to not take this kind of money. So Jordan took it. And the biggest brand for an athlete ever exists now because of his parents making him go to sign that contract or go and at least talk to Nike. Then you have, of course, the Spike League commercials, all the Spike Lee movies with Jordans. Like, Jordan, I cannot imagine. That blew me away. That's one of the things that's kind of blown me out of the water when talking about Michael Jordan in this whole documentary. I did not, I cannot picture him in Adidas. I saw it on social media like the night before the, the Last Dance premiered, but I was like, "What? why are we randomly posting this? I didn't really get the context behind it, but now I do. <laughs> Jordan and Adidas just feels wrong in so many different ways. And it's like the same thing with Kobe, like thinking of Kobe and Adidas and he actually signed for Adidas. That's still weird to think about. Froby had the fro. He had the Adidas shoes. And then he switched his number to 24 and went bald and got the Nikes. And Kobe's Nike shoes are some of the most worn basketball shoes of all time. If you're playing basketball, a, a vast majority of people that might, might probably listen to this had a pair of Kobe's. My uncle, big basketball player, only has Kobe's. Loves the low top shoes. Kobe had some legendary sneakers. And it's so weird to think about that. He was Adidas and Michael was almost Adidas. He wanted to be Adidas. <laughs> they told him no. Craziness. Craziness. And the parents changed his mind, made him go out there to... Nike had signed that contract. If it weren't for mom and dad, Jordan would be Converse or Adidas right now. He would not be Nike. He didn't want to be Nike. Craziness. Absolute craziness. The world would be so different without Jordan and Nike. (laughs) Would Nike, Nike wouldn't even be the same brand it is now without Jordan signing there. Like Nike would not have taken off that quickly in the basketball game. Without Jordan. So it's crazy to think about how this world could have changed. I'm wearing Nike shorts right now and a Nike shirt. Maybe we're looking at a different thing right now if he doesn't sign. Maybe that's a big like domino effect. If he didn't sign there, what's Nike like today? Are they just running shoes? Do they expand into other sports? I don't know. Maybe it's something big like that. Maybe. And as we move on through. The documentary of episode five, we have Jordan versus Clyde Drexler, Clyde Drexler of the tr- Portland Trailblazers in the finals. And one, the first thing I noticed of this was Clyde, you needed to just cut that hair off. Jordan gave up on the on the the hair and just went straight bald. Clyde was holding on to it for dear life, begging for it not to leave. But you didn't have the technology you have now, so his hair, he should have just shaved it off. It wasn't a good look. I don't know who told Clyde it was a good look, but it wasn't. You should have just followed Jordan and just shaved the entire thing off. And Jordan went out and dominated. And Danny Ainge even said this. When they started comparing Clyde Drexler to Michael Jordan, They knew he knew they were in trouble. Michael's not going to take that lightly. Michael's not going to want to get compared to somebody. And it absolutely blew Clyde out of the water. And then a few weeks later, they had, or a week later, what was it, 10 days or something like that? They had the Olympics in Barcelona, or Barcelona. 92 Olympics. And that's where the dream team comes into play. And then obviously they talked about the greatest scrimmage of all time. That's been talked about for years. I've never seen the actual film from the scrimmage. But that's been talked about. That's like stuff of legend. You know how many times Magic Johnson's brought that up on like talk shows? The greatest scrimmage of all time that was never filmed and never released film until yesterday. And here was the 92 scrimmage teams. Here was the team set up. It was Jordan, Pippen, Larry Bird, Karl Malone, and Patrick Ewing. And then we had on the other team, Magic, Chris Mullen, Christian Laettner, Charles Barkley, and David Robinson Robinson and magic and Charles were the big forces on the other team Scotty and Michael and Larry bird the big reasons for the other team but you can't this is like one of those times you cannot trash talk Michael Jordan it's just you just can't do it and I feel bad for the aforementioned Clyde Drexler and John Stockton, because they didn't get a chance to play in the game. Or maybe they did. They just came in off the bench in a scrimmage, I guess. I don't know what happened. But you don't trash talk Michael Jordan. You're gonna have to turn into the Bulls, Michael Jordan, to get us out of here, or turn to Air Jordan if you want to win this game. And Jordan started going off. Everything started falling. And they won. And they were like, oh, everything was all mad on the bus because Jordan was talking after it, of course. And then Charles Barkley, or Magic Pipes up, said, Charles, man, we should not have pissed this man off. And then the bus starts erupting with laughter. And they're like, we should do this. This is the best scrimmage ever. And we finally saw it. Magic's been talking, If you, if you've seen that, Magic's been talking about this for years, about this scrimmage that no one's ever seen until last night, but it's been talked about. It's been the stuff of legends, but the green team is the greatest formation or greatest collection of players on a single team in any sport ever. There is not a team that collectively you'll go up and down the roster and go, wow, that team is better out of the 12 players on the green team roster. 11 of them are in the national basketball hall of fame. The only one not is Christian Leitner. Duke's Christian Leitner. And this was obviously talked about last night. because it It's got it been brought up, much like the scrimmage, it gets brought up a lot. Why Zama Thomas was not on the team with Chuck Daly, head coach of the Detroit Pistons, was the head coach. You would expect at least one Pistons player to be in there, but no, there was none. You got David Roberts, Robinson, Spurs. Barkley was the, was he on the, he was on the Sixers that time, I believe, Pippen Bulls, Jordan Bulls, Magic Lakers, Leitner, Duke, eventually Timberwolves, Ewing, Knicks, Bird, Celtics, Drexler, Trailblazers, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Jazz, Chris Mullen, Warriors. Like, you had all of these players, and you didn't have a single Pistons player on there. A single Pistons player. There was none on that team. Charles was one of the Phoenix Suns, so he was on the Phoenix Suns by this time I got the another page loaded up not a single Pistons player with the Pistons coach as the head coach and this has been much talked about throughout history why Isaiah Thomas was not on the team it was obviously just pinpointed on Michael Jordan not liking him but if you look at NBA history Isaiah Thomas is not very well liked in the world of basketball nobody really likes isaiah thomas no matter if you're a fan or a player you just don't like isaiah thomas he played for the pistons he was a little slimy little guy and he's one of the greatest point guards of all time but no one really puts him up there because no one really likes him (laughs) and he wasn't put on the dream team he had john stockton and magic johnson taking up the point guard spots now again this is the type of team you had here john stockton and Magic johnson are the two top two assisting point guards of all time so it's not like he got left out for some scrub like or not a scrub but like a dennis johnson or something that's not saying dennis johnson's a scrub dennis johnson was a great player but it's not like he got left out for him or ron harper or something like that no he got left out for two hall of fame point guards so it's not like you can look at it and go man isaiah got screwed out of this team now he might have but these are good players that got put in this team too. So it's not like it's just a bunch of random players. Like there's no miles Pl- Mason Plumlee's making this team or Brooke Lopez is making like there, this is all 11 hall of famers out of 12 Christian Leitner college player at the time. Didn't really do anything in the NBA to any real note. Got drafted by the Timberwolves third overall in 1992. So that year and yeah he averaged 12 points a game 13 points a game in his nba career was very good at the start and then kind of tallied off at the end but yeah he had success in the nba it's not saying he was a bad nba player but he's not a hall of famer he's a college basketball hall of famer but not an nba hall of famer national basketball association hall of famer so with that being said and like i said the dream team to me is the greatest collection of players ever In NBA in Olympic history, but there's another team that gets talked about a lot, and they go like, "Oh, who could have won this game? Who would have won out of these teams?" And that is the Redeem Team, which is the 2008 Olympics team, the United States Olympics team, which featured the likes of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, um, in form Dwight Howard. So you had all these players, and if you're looking at the rosters. Of the Redeem team and the Dream team, you cannot honestly look at the rosters and go, yeah, the Redeem team would beat the Dream team. You just can't do that. What, Carlos Boozer? No. Darren Williams? Michael Redd? Michael Redd was good. He just got hurt all the time. But Michael Redd's not going to do anything against them. That time, Dwight Howard could have done some stuff. Same with Chris Bosh, Chris Paul. Tyshawn Taylor? No, he's not going to do anything. He's going to play defense. That's about it. You go up and down the Dream Team, right? You got eleven Hall of Famers in that team. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven Hall of Famers on this roster. Because Boozer's not a Hall of Famer, Darren Williams not a Hall of Famer, Michael Red's not a Hall of Famer, Tyshawn Prince's not a Hall of Famer, and then the maybes—like you got some maybes in there. But there's 11 Hall of Famers. So with this, I just thought it would be fun because these two teams get compared to all the time. And There's no way the Dream Team at that time, I bet this team could beat the Dream Team now <laughs> because the Dream Team all in their 50s. I bet, except for Christian Leitner. I think he's in his he's in his 40s, late 40s probably. But there's no way the Redeemed Team would beat the Dream Team. If you put the 92 team and the 2008 team and played them together at their, at their ages here, the Dream Team would walk away with it no contest no contest I don't know who they're gonna stop (laughs) I mean LeBron and Mello and Kobe would be the main sources of offense there Dwayne Wade obviously there as well but Dwayne Wade came off the bench in this team because of Kobe it'd be a good game until probably the fourth quarter and then the dream team would start pulling away I bet they would win by like 15 points or something Maybe just 10. Maybe we'll just give them 10. That'll be a double-digit win for the Dream Team. But I thought it'd be fun today. Since I knew they were going to talk about the Dream Team last night, and Kobe was going to be in the documentary, they are going to talk about him a little bit. I thought it'd be fun to make a combination team of the Dream Team and the Redeem Team call it the Redream Team. Yes, the Redream Team. And so what we're going to do here... We're going to make a starting lineup and fill out the rest of the bench of people from these two legendary squads. Both teams walked away with gold medals this year. Uh in the Summer Olympics, the Redeem team was the 2008 Olympics. Dream team was the 92 Olympics. Both walked away with gold medals. But which team would win? If you look at the point differential for the Dream team they won their first game by 79, then 44, then 60, then 41, then 38, then 47. Like, that's the Tournament of America's one. You go to the Olympics, 68, 33, 43, 44, 41, 38, 51, and 32 in the gold medal game. Crazy. Absolutely craziness coming in from the Dream Team in the that one just a crazy crazy dominant team but let's combine these two teams so this is we're going off the they're starting lineups from the gold medal game because obviously if you look at the dream team michael jordan was the only person that started every game and then the rest of them started at least four or at least three at least three so you had scotty starting three like uh charles barkley four magic five so you got all these players that started different games but we're going to go with just the gold medal games so for the dream team against Croatia in the gold medal game the starting lineup consists of Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Charles Barkley, and David Robinson and then you go over to the dream the redeem team the 2008 roster you had Jason Kidd this is their game against Spain in the 2008 gold medal game Jason Kidd, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwight Howard I know a lot of you might be sitting there going, well, Logan, why isn't LeBron playing the four? Well, at the time, LeBron was listed as a guard forward. So yeah, he's playing the the three spot and Melo's playing the four. But that's a solid line. Dwight Howard at center. I don't know if I said that or not. But that was your starting lineups for those two games. The point guards for each team were both the oldest players on the roster. Magic Johnson was 32. Jason Kidd was 35. So with that being said, head coach was Mike Krzyzewski, Duke head coach. So let's go over, those were the starting lineups. Let's go over what the teams did, who was leading scorer and all that. Leading scorer for the Dream Team, Charles Barkley, averaged 18 points a game, leading rebounders, were Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing with 5.3. And assist leader for the Dream Team was Scottie Pippen with 5.9 assists per game. Which again, I've said this before on the show, a lot of people don't realize Scottie Pippen was the point guard for those Bulls teams though he wasn't listed as the point guard. He was the ball distributor in those Bulls teams. And then you look at the redeemed team. Leading scorer was Dwayne Wade with 16 points. Leading rebounder was Chris Bosh with 6.9 rebounds a game. And assist leader was Chris Paul with 4.1 points per game. So here is our combined team from both rosters. So we're going to choose Coach K as the head coach, the greatest college basketball coach of all time. And I I really don't think it's a, Chuck Daly, yeah, he had some good Pistons, he had really good Pistons teams, but compared to Coach K, I, you have to put in Coach K over Chuck Daly. And it's kind of hard for me to chew, because if you look at, you got a Detroit Pistons coach, and a Duke Blue Devil coach. Two schools I'm not a very, big, two, two teams I'm not very fond of, the Pistons and the Duke Blue Devils. But in this case, I just got to go with the better coach, and that's Coach K. Coach K, the greatest college basketball coach of all time. He's won 1,157 games. He won five NCAA tournaments. Three-time Naismith Basketball Coach of the Year. He's already in the Hall of Fame, and he's still coaching. So, yeah, I have to go with Coach K there. And for the starting lineup for the Redream team, point guard Magic Johnson. Again, this is just out of the starting lineups. What we're doing, we're just going over the starting left of the gold medal game and going between those two positions and going, okay, or those two players from each position and go, okay, this is what, who will start this game. Magic Johnson, though I think Jason Kidd is very underrated, Jason Kidd does not start any universe over Magic Johnson. I think Jason Kidd is vastly underrated, but he, Magic Johnson's the greatest point guard of all time. So, you can't put Jason Kidd over Magic Johnson. Jason Kidd's not even a top five point guard. Magic Johnson's the best point guard. So, yeah, no contest there. Shooting guard? It's MJ. I mean, come on. It's Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time, gets the starting nod over Kobe Bryant. So, it's just obvious there. Small forward, LeBron James. Again, it's close. It's, well, no, it's not really close. But, Scottie Pippen, like Jason Kidd, is one of the most underrated players of all time doesn't get as much love as he probably should and michael jordan said if you talk about michael jordan you should talk about scotty pippen he has been quoted in saying that but lebron james is a top two player of all time Some would are some would say top five but top two player of all time so he is the starting small forward there power forward we got charles barkley or carl or carmelo anthony charles barkley is vastly underrated in the history of the nba charles barkley is just a tv personality a lot of people out there but throughout his career charles barkley dominated teams especially around this time it was his first year in phoenix and he averaged 25.6 points per game he averaged 12.2 rebounds per game and an average career high 5.1 assists per game For his career, he averaged 22 points, 11.7 rebounds per game. He averaged 14.6 rebounds a game and 23 points in 86, 87. 28 points was career high in 87, 88. Won the league MVP, I believe, in that 93 season. So, or not believe? I I know that. So, it's just crazy to think about. Like that team, that Pistons or the Charles Barkley. My dad and I were talking about this last night. He just gets widely viewed as a TV personality now. No one really remembers how great of a player Charles Barkley is. And I know a lot of people are going to be sitting there going, well, Logan, Carmelo Anthony is the greatest Olympics basketball player of all time. Okay, sick. I think Carmelo Anthony is a great player. But he is not on the level of Charles Barkley. If you want to just go over stats during that year... They have mellow 25 points a game and 7.4 rebounds per game. Barkley had better numbers. Barkley was on a better team. Barkley gets the starting nod and is more natural power forward, more fit and fits with this team. And then for the starting center spot, David Robinson versus Dwight Howard. Now this one's a very controversial one because at the time, Dwight Howard was the most dominant center in all of basketball he was the best player in the league or not the best player in the league. he was the best center in the league this was david robinson's second or third year in the nba averaged 23 points per game 11.7 or 12.2 rebounds per game whichever one you want to look at it because they're both lead it's in the summer of that year so we can go off both of them he had a great two he had a great straight he led the league in blocks With 4.5 blocks per game, he also had a career high in steals with 2.3 steals per game. David Robinson, amazing center. He's basically Captain America. He's the admiral starting for the United States men's basketball team. He kind of has to. Dwight Howard at the time was averaging 20 points per game, uh, 14 or 13 rebounds a game, 2.9 blocks per game, which led the league. So very similar numbers here between dwight howard and david robinson but david robinson goes in the starting lineup david robinson again 23 points per game the next year he averaged 29.8 points per game he always averaged double digit rebounds was one of the lead leaders in blocks led the league in blocks in the 92 season 4.5 blocks per game dwight howard's career high on blocks is 2.9 blocks per game Dwight Howard led the league in rebounds that year as well. But I'm going to go with David Robinson in this. He's the admiral. How can I leave the admiral out of the United States basketball team, out of the starting lineup? So that is my starting lineup. Uh, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Charles Barkley, and David Robinson. as a very talented starting five. On the bench, again, it's where Dwight Howard comes into play. This is the backup center position, Patrick Ewing or Charles or Dwight Howard. Patrick Ewing was a little older when this game took place, but at the time he was averaging 24 points per game, 12 rebounds a game and averaged three to two to three blocks per game. We already read out Dwight Howard stats, but Dwight Patrick Ewing is one of the greatest centers of all time. Dwight Howard had a very dominant stretch of being a a very, very good center. But once he left Orlando, unlike Shaq, where he went to the Lakers, things got much worse after that. (laughs) He didn't get better after he left Orlando. He got much worse after he left Orlando, but we're judging it off this time period. And I would go with Patrick Ewing over Dwight Howard in this list. I can't overlook Dwight. I can't overlook Patrick Ewing in this list. Patrick Ewing is a legendary center. And it was in his prime at the time. Dwight Howard was pretty much just starting off his career. He was 22 years old at the time of the Redeem team in his fourth year in the league. He just reached his career high in points at the time. Finally got over the 20-point mark for his career. You want to look at it like that. First year in the league, Patrick Ewing averaged 20 points per game. So I'm going to put Patrick Ewing over Dwight Howard in this team. The rest of them, I think that was my really only one I thought about. The rest of them I thought were pretty self-explanatory. Larry Bird, Scottie Pippen, Carmelo, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, and then I threw in Chris Paul. Though he didn't start in the championship game, Chris Paul was a beast at that time. He was 23 years old, playing for the New Orleans Hornets, which is kind of weird to say now but when you look at the what he did in the 2008 seat, 21 points per game led the league in steals and assists with 11.6 assists per game the next year he averaged 22 points per game almost 23 and led the league in steals with a career high in steals and 11 assists per game which led the league his career high in assists was that 11.6 assists per game he also had a career high in rebounds and 5.5 career field goal percentage career high in minutes per game, career high in points per game. So yeah, Chris Paul (laughs) goes in this team. Others that were so, so close, but didn't make it. Dwight Howard was easily the closest one. Chris Bosh at the time was very close to make this because people forget how dominant or how good Chris Bosh was for the Toronto Raptors for so long. He averaged around 20 points per game. Well, actually probably averaged about 21 points per game because if after his first two years in the league, he averaged 22, 22, 22, 22, and then 24 before going to Miami. He was very close to making it. He was dominant player in Toronto, but that doesn't get talked about because he went into third third place while in uh, Miami. Other players going to the dream team, Carl uh, Malone, very close to making this team, but just did not make the cut here. Kyle Drexler was also close to making, but I think I am happy with this team. For a recap of the team, the starting lineup reads as Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Charles Barkley, and David Robinson, with the bench reading Patrick Ewing, Larry Bird, Scottie Pippen, Carmelo Anthony, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul. So in total, the Dream Team had seven members. The Redeem Team had five, and if you want to include Coach K, then six, which Coach K was technically an assistant coach, on the dream team so we can count him for both teams i guess so he's familiar with both sets of players so it works out very very nicely but yeah i think that team is dom- that is the best construct if you want to combine players then and now i think that's the great. I, i'm not cha- i'm very comfortable in leaving the players i left out out i'm very comfortable having the players i left in in you might think dwight howard is should be in this team but is he better than patrick ewing and david robinson no he's not I don't care if you're looking at it now or back then. He's not and was never better than those two. So I don't know if you want to put him in, you'd have to get rid of some of the other players, but who would you get rid of? Larry Bird? No. Scotty? Definitely not. Carmelo? No. At that time, Melo was the face of the Olympic basketball team, but I couldn't throw him in over Charles Barkley. Kobe? Definitely not. Wade? Definitely not. Chris Paul? He was the only, the last roster spot was really the only spot I thought about, but, Even then, Chris Paul was too dominant not to go in this team. The starting lineup, no, I'm not putting him in over everybody, anybody. I am very comfortable with that team, and I think that team would dominate in any era and win all the gold medals and have a bigger margin of victory than the Dream Team did, and they had the most insane points or point differential of all time. Crazy. That's the Redream Team, as we are calling it here. And before we take our quick break, I do want to talk about a little bit about episode six. Again, my memory's spotty on episode six. I was very tired during episode six, and I don't really remember all of it that vividly. There was just so much to think about in episode five that I can't really remember all the stuff that happened in episode six. So there was the the be like Mike thing. I want to be like Mike with all the endorsements, Gatorade out of glass bottles and all that stuff. Which is just weird to think about. Big Cat tweeted that out last night. Isn't it crazy that we used to drink Gatorade out of glass bottles? That's so weird to think about. But now I was drinking a Gatorade that I was replenishing my electrolytes with a cool blue Gatorade. I was like, man, I could not imagine this being a glass bottle. I don't, it wouldn't have affected me, but it'd be weird. It's weird thinking about that. But then you think about like the be like Mike thing, and he had all the promotions. He's had the worldwide fame. Everybody knew him. But do you really want to be like Mike? you don't really think about it when you say I want to be this athlete but then you think about what they go through every day and yes it's nice being Michael Jordan you're rich famous best player at what you're doing you're the best at what you do but it's not fun <laughs> It can be taxing you just sit in your room what we are doing now in quarantine just sit in our house every single day doing absolutely nothing that's the only time Michael has to do what he wants. If you go out in the public, everybody knows who you are. You cannot go out in the public and do anything. There were some weird ones that where you saw Michael going places and they're touching his head as he's leaving the court. Like, that'd be so weird. That'd be so weird. I don't know if I would be able to survive living like Mike. It's a taxing job. And I know you look at it and go like, oh, Man, it must be so hard being so rich and so famous and having everybody love you. Man, that must suck. But that's the old ad. As the old adage says, money does not buy you happiness. Just because everybody knows him because he's always famous, rich, he's famous. He's the best at what he does. doesn't mean he's happy. He's just sitting in his room smoking cigars. They brought the camera crew and he's like, man, this is the only time I get to relax and just be myself. He leaves the room for a second. There's a camera shoved in his face or someone asking him a question or somebody asking him for an autograph. And I think he did the very best he could at getting everybody the autographs that they could or saying hi to the people they could But You get so bombarded by everybody. It can be taxing. So I don't know if I would want to be like Mike, especially after watching because It's something you don't really think about. Like I would love to be as good as something like that, but would I want to be Michael Jordan. I don't know the aura around Michael Jordan is just so big the name the brand the the player like everything The it's just like why would you not want that you're the most famous person in the entire world I would even say now man you could throw my LeBron James is obviously up there but people are rocking Jordans around the world no one rocks those ugly LeBron shoes he got No, no, they got. LeBron's gotten better at making shoes. His old shoes were disgusting. I don't know if anybody would wear those. They weigh like a hundred pounds too. it Would be hard because you go to the gambling story about leaving, going to Atlantic City after being down to the Knicks in the playoffs, gambling, and this this quote saves a lot of gamblers who have problems. John Leo, who I did on press row with, we <laughs> he was a. Uh, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem. So it's like all these people that po that bet money on games and stuff like man. Oh, they just Jordan. That's the best quote ever. I'm going to use that as my moniker for my life. I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem. That's what I'm going to use forever. Now there are shirts made last night about the whole thing. I thought that was the one of the greatest quotes ever. And then the, they obviously went on to beat the Knicks, the whole gambling situation, Went out the window. Uh, Jordan took a, like a little hiatus from the media. Didn't talk to anybody forever, and then came back. Finally discussed everything, and then that's where the quote came out. But they went on to win the series. Then they beat the fi- they went to the finals, played the Suns, and had the famous quote of "I'm only packing one suit." And then they go on to beat the Suns in Game Six. John Paxson hitting the winning shot, and it's so funny. I bring this up with my dad every time I watch this. It's so funny watching fans scream and cheer for John Paxson. If you look, <laughs> I don't think at that time when John Paxson was making these game-winning shots, they even go back to the early Michael Jordan years where he had to sit out for that little bit and John Paxson made that game winner against, I think, the Bucks. Maybe it was someone else to get them to the playoffs. I don't remember who it was a few episodes ago. I don't think he knew that he would be one of the most hated people in Chicago by the year 2020. (laughs) He was loved. Everybody loved John Paxson back then. Nobody likes John Paxson. Now, (laughs) if you're a bulls fan, you're have, if you're a bulls, you were a fan of the bulls at that time. Like you're alive watching those bulls teams. Your feelings for Paxson are a little like you're on both. I hate this guy. And I really like this guy at the same time because he won us games. But he's a terrible he's terrible at his job now that's why he's not there anymore bulls starting to go back in the right direction they're getting new people in there which is very good things for the chicago bulls and the future the chicago bulls get some players around zach levine The team could be good they're building a young core but they just need to stay healthy Otto porter marketing they cannot stay healthy to save their lives same with wendell it'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft see what they do if they go after a center or something or a point guard if they want to bring Kobe White off the bench if Jim Boylan stays at the head coach which a report said that he'd be absolutely floored if he was that wasn't the head coach next year he shouldn't be the head coach anywhere anymore he shouldn't be a head coach anywhere it's stupid very stupid I don't like Jim Boylan no one on the team likes Jim Boylan and he'd be floored if he got fired? No, he would be. that should be the least surprising thing ever. Oh, I got fired? Oh, jeez, I'm surprised it doesn't happen sooner. So, if Jim Boylan has his way, Kobe White's going to come off the bench, and they're going to draft a point guard like Tyrese Halliburton to distribute the ball everywhere. Because Kobe White can be that Lou Williams-type player or Jason Terry-type player, but he wants to be a starting point guard, and he has the ability to... To be a starting point guard, him and Zach have been working very well together before this whole league got can or postponed for the time being. But I'm feeling better about the Bulls' future. I'm feeling a little better. And it's kind of funny watching back at those John Paxson highlights And going like, man, nobody likes this guy anymore. <laughs> he nobody likes John Paxson. Who likes John Paxson now? I loved. I don't even know if John Paxson likes John Paxson. But man. Just a crazy time. Just a crazy, crazy time. But, so that with, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. We'll come back, and we got some NFL stuff to talk about. we got quarterbacks signing in new places. Uh, we're going to rank the top five backups, backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And we've got some sad news as well regarding one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. So stay tuned for the, after this short little break, we'll be back with more Logan Blackman show right after this. All right, everybody. And welcome back to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show here on the basement podcast. If you were listening to the last hour, just a little brief, little recap. We recapped, recap, recap, recapped the last dance documentary episodes five and six were last night. So we went over that. And in Episode 5, they talked about the Dream Team and had some Kobe Bryant footage in there as well. So we combined the teams to make a redeem a dream Team. The Dream Team plus the Redeem Team together make the redeem Team, and we put a whole team together. If you just somehow fast-forward till now and hit perfectly at this spot. Also went over Episode 6, not as in-depthly as Episode 5. But that's all we've pretty much gone over, and Korean baseball is coming back sorry about that is coming back this week games will be aired live on ESPN six days of baseball live sports which we haven't had in a very long time and I am proud to announce that I am announcing my affiliations for imaginary drum roll please the deuce on bears and be taking deuces on the competition my good friends Noah and Spencer. Noah has gone with the LG Twins, which share a stadium with my beloved Doosan Bears. So we will find this. We will see who is the real king of the Jamzil Baseball Stadium in Seoul. So we will see how that one goes. And Spencer went with the NC Dinos. And Spencer's given some really good. We got some good beef going back and forth between the three of us with Spencer going, welcome to Jurassic Park, check-in time now, check-out time, never watch out for the dinos, so it's a good one, that's a good one, I, I like that, but then I hit him with a freaking Care Bear stare, and we're just gonna kill all these teams, and the Deuce on Bears are playing the rival twins tomorrow night, or I guess t- today, t- tomorrow mor- tomorrow morning, it's at n- mid- midnight tonight, so tomorrow, they play them tomorrow, But that game will be on ESPN, I believe. I'm just looking at the time right now. But games will also be played on Wednesday and Thursday. 4.30 a.m. are the games on Wednesday and Thursday. I fully expect the Bears to take care of the LG Twins who completely sold their souls. Get it? Because they play in Seoul. And sold their souls and went with a sponsor. You look at teams like the Kia Tigers, the LG Twins the samsung lions and maybe some other ones there too but uh the nc dinos maybe they're all brands and i just i'm just completely unaware but man doosan is going to take the crown this year and i did not know this until now doosan won the league last year so we are already going in with the 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 target on our backs but we we expect that we want the target on our backs we embrace the target on our backs and before we move into the next talking point of the show i wanted to bring this up this was happened yesterday news on today and yesterday uh nine years ago yesterday derrick rose was named the youngest mvp in league history 22 year old derrick rose from chicago led the Bulls to a 62 and 20 record in his MVP season before we lost to the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. In that season, Derrick Rose averaged 25 points a game, 7.7 assists and 4.1 rebounds per game. It's the most games he ever played in a season started all 80 or started started every game but one. Started 81 games in the season, had a career high in minutes per game and assists, and re- or rebounds, and steals per game as well. The only time he's had above a steal a game. He also shot 85% from the free throw line, which was a very good number. Derrick Rose, in that season, if you were a young Bulls fan, you loved that team. You w- That team should have won something. They won the first game against the Heat, and then Eric Spolster threw LeBron on Derrick Rose, and it was just over from there. Look at the team. this This team was awesome. You had Derrick Rose. Well, I shouldn't say the team was awesome. They had a very average team led by Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was a spearhead of the team. Then you had the starting lineup consisted of Keith Bogans, started every single game that year. He is what Tom Thibodeau wants in a basketball player: gritty, good defensive player. Not gonna do anything flashy, but good defensive player. Lou Deng was clearly the number two option scoring-wise on this team. You also had Carlos Boozer and Joakim Noah rounding out the starting five. Off the bench, Kyle Korver, Ronnie Brewer, Taj Gibson were all on the team. C.J. Watson was the backup point guard to Derrick Rose. But yeah, you had some good players. Kurt Thomas would play every once in a while. He would start when Joakim Noah was out injured. So they would go from a, a pretty big center to a, a pretty shorter, a shorter center in kurt thomas Omar ashik also was a big factor in those bulls teams coming off the bench giving a little something else on the team this team was just so awesome if you were a bulls fan at that time this was just a great time to be alive 15 and 1 in the division granted the central division was the weakest division in all basketball for this time period so the bulls just took advantage of that got the number one seed in the playoffs went 62 and 20 the miami heat Went 58 and 24. That year, the Cleveland Cavaliers came last in the last in the conference at 19 and 63. Pretty much flipped of the Bulls record, but it was just a fantastic game. Keith Bogan's Lul Dang started every single game that season. As I said, Derrick Rose missed one game that year. Kyle Korver played every single game that year with 82 games played. Ronnie Brewer played 81 games. Omar Ashik had 82 games played. Joe Kim Noah played only 48 games that season. It's kind of weird to think about, but Omer Sheik was pretty much, like, him and Kurt Thomas kind of rotated that last center spot. But every time Joakim Noah got hurt, it was Kurt Thomas going into the game. It wasn't, like, if they were needing a start, it was Kurt Thomas. If Joakim Noah was healthy that year, the entire year, I feel like they could have been one of the best teams, like, they would have won a fine, they would have won a championship. This team deserved a championship, and it makes me upset that they did not win a championship that year. But it's LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch throwing LeBron James on Derrick Rose completely shut him out, and it was just over after that. And speaking of LeBron James, it is the nine-year anniversary of when LeBron James won his first league MVP. 28 points, seven assists, seven rebounds per game. For those Cleveland Cavaliers, when well, they rocked those disgusting Cavaliers. Those, like, maroon, like, the ones with the big stripe down the side, those things were so gross. When they had those blue ones, man, those were, ugh, Those are some bad uniforms. Cavs got some decent uniforms now, but those uniforms were gross. It was like the transition from the, the Brad Doherty, uh, Mark Price team into the LeBron James era and then into the Kyrie Irving era, and then back to the LeBron James era. Now we are in, I believe, what we would consider the Colin Sexton era for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we go through the different uniforms. at just different times the team changed identities there. But yeah, big day, big couple days for former MVPs, Derrick Rose and LeBron James, 11 years ago, Derrick Rose won the MVP. That is crazy to think about. That is absolutely crazy to think about or nine year, nine years ago, I, I had my date, LeBron's was 11 years ago, nine years ago, Derrick Rose was named the MVP, youngest MVP ever, and there's a picture, if you look on the ESPN tweet that they posted yesterday, there's a picture of him jump, dunking on Joel Anthony, that was my, for, our, for you Johnston students that are listening, that was my J Dragon mail background picture, him jumping over, dunking on Joel Embiid, or jo- Joel Anthony, That exact picture. So, go look on the ESPN post that they made yesterday. Derrick Rose, double-hand dunk, two-handed dunk on Joel Anthony. I don't think everyone's ever called a double-handed dunk. (laughs) It's a new thing. Yeah, Mario Chalmers in the shot there as well. LeBron, Dwayne Wade. You have, I think that's Kyle Korver right there, but I can't really tell. Or Boozer. I can't tell. And then Joakim Noah's in the shot as well for... The Bulls, the only reason I'm thinking it's Corver's because he's got the long socks on, or at least one long sock on. Kyle Corver rocked the long socks for those Bulls teams. And Derrick Rose with the dunk. Man, Derrick Rose had 113 first-place votes. There's 120 votes possible, and he had 113 of them, or 121 votes possible, whatever it is. And he had 113. If Derrick Rose never got hurt, he would be the best player in the NBA or best point guard. If we don't want to go best player, the bulls would have a championship right now, Man, you can look at any of the, if out of any scenario of what, if this player never got hurt, Derek Rose is the biggest, what if in NBA history, if Derrick Rose never got hurt, he is one of the best players in the game right now. He's the best point guard. And he is getting talked about as one of the best overall players in the league. It pains me to my very core that that happened. Remember, I left my Nana and papa's house playing the 76, and I went with my dad to go get to, go to Phoenix Recycling. And I get the update on my phone. Or no, I didn't get an update, because so we didn't get updates back then. I checked ESPN, the website, to see what this final score was, because the Bulls were up. The Bulls were done. I told my dad to come pick me up, because I couldn't drive. So he came pick picked me up, and it says Derek Rose has a knee injury. So I didn't watch it live, but that feeling of when I read that in the truck was just miserable, and then the Bulls are just not the same since then. I believe they lost the series, if I remember right. It, man, if Derrick Rose never got hurt, the biggest what-if in NBA history. You have Tracy McGrady, you have Grant Hill, Bill Walton can get talked about in there as well, but if Derrick Rose never got hurt, or Penny Hardaway even, Derrick Rose would be one of the best players of all time. It's sad. And keeping it on the sad news, uh, Miami Dolphins legendary head coach Don Shula passed away today at 90 years old. Winningest coach in NFL history is Don Shula. Hall of Fame class 1997, 33 consecutive seasons as the head coach, most in NFL history. 31 winning seasons out of those 33. 31 out of 33. That's insane. 347 wins. Most in NFL history, including playoffs. Passed the great George Hallis. Two Super Bowls and five appearances with the Colts and Dolphins. And led the Dolphins to the perfect season in 1972. With a backup quarterback in Earl Morrill. And made the decision to play Bob Greasy in the championship game. And it paid off. Usually coach will ride the hot hand but he went with the better quarterback and Bob Greasy got them to the championship 17 and 0 only perfect season in NFL history four-time coach of the year and if you look at like the greatest coaches of all time and winning like the all-time win list let's read this off Don Shula as we already said but this is not including playoffs 328 wins Bill Belichick has 273 wins He's got a long ways to go to catch Don Shula, which shows how great John Don Shula was at the time. In the top 10, you go Don Shula, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, Curly Lambeau, Paul Brown, Andy Reid, Marty Schottenheimer, Chuck Knoll, and Dan Reeves round out the top 10, but that's a lot of wins for one person, 31 winning records in 33 seasons incredibly sad day the bills dolphins rivalry of the 90s with dan marino versus jim kelly and those buffalo bills teams those were hated rivalries look you know, brian cox flipping off the crowd walking into rich stadium at the time when it was called and now his son got his son plays for the bills now or will is on the bills roster he hasn't played a game for him yet but man don shula 90 years old One of the greatest coaches of all time. Sympathies go out to his family and his friends and the people of the Miami Dolphins who knew Don and cheered for Don and loved watching him coach on the sideline with all the great players that he had in in Baltimore and in Miami. Really sad day for the NFL. And while we're on the topic of the NFL, Andy Dalton who we talked about on Friday, former Cincinnati Bengals quarterback got cut, or Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton got cut on Friday, or th- when was it, Thursday? I think it was Thursday, by the Cincinnati Bengals after nine years of service to the organization. Really good years for statistically for him. Rough years for the Bengals. Still haven't won a playoff game since the 90s. I think it was 1990. And of all the quarterbacks they have drafted since their last playoff win, none of them have won a playoff game for him. They have not won a playoff game. Marvin Lewis went 17 years without a playoff win. 17 years. So they're hoping Joe Burrow's the answer. And it looks like Joe Burrow's just going to go into Cincinnati and be the guy right away. Not going to have anybody challenging him. Ryan Finley's not going to start for the Bengals this year. I can't even remember what their other quarterback's name is, but Joe Burrow's going to go in. As the day one starter, like Andy Dalton before him, I did think that Andy Dalton's presence there in Cincinnati would be very beneficial to Joe Burrow. But Cincinnati must have felt different. They let Andy Dalton go. So they got Marvin Lewis out the door. Now Andy Dalton's out the door. So the old regime of Cincinnati Bengals football is out. Now it is the Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow era. Joe Burrow's got all the weapons to succeed for the Bengals. Look at the wider receivers: A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins they got in the second round. Joe Mixon, one of the best running backs in all of football. Offensive line slowly improving. Going to get Jonah Williams back this year, which is huge. So, they've got the pieces to succeed. And I think the Bengals might actually surprise some people this year. But I did not like the, the Dalton release. But Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, is signing... With the Dallas Cowboys, which when I first saw it, when I first read it, it surprised me a little bit, or just caught me off guard because I didn't hear it linked at all. It was like the Jaguars were really interested in him. Everybody was throwing the the Patriots want Andy Dalton down everybody's throats, which didn't make a lot of sense, but they said it anyways. I said it he could be there as a backup. I think they're gonna go with roll with Stidham. I think they like Brian Hoyer, so I put that as like a back burner option when I did this on Friday. But Andy Dalton signing with the Cowboys, he's from Texas. He's from Katy, Texas, which is not around Dallas. It's closer to Houston than Dallas. But he played college football at TCU, which is in Fort Worth, which is right outside of Dallas. So it's like a homecoming for Andy Dalton. So it makes perfect sense why he signed there now that I think about it. It didn't even cross my mind that he could go to the Dallas Cowboys. But it makes sense. Serves as a backup quarterback to Dak Prescott. And gives him a valuable option there behind Dak. If Dak gets hurt or something, I would have more faith in Andy Dalton if I'm a Cowboys fan than I would in Cooper Rush. Cowboys let go of Cooper Rush today to make way for Andy Dalton. But yeah, Andy Dalton, now the backup quarterback to the Dallas Cowboys. See what he does there? See how the whole situation with Dak and his contract go up? Because Dak wants to get paid good. I don't know if the Cowboys really wanting that. We could have another Kirk Cousins situation here where they just keep, uh, what do you call it, just keep egging him on, like just keep giving him franchise tags but don't actually do anything with it. Andy Dalton signed a one-year deal, work up the $7 million, including a $3 million guaranteed signing bonus with the Dallas Cowboys. There's $3 million guaranteed, not signing bonus, but you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, Andy Dalton now a Dallas Cowboy. Interesting. I did not see that at the time. I really didn't picture. I didn't even think about it. But looking at it, makes perfect sense. From Texas, played at TCU. Now is the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and his offensive coordinator, who is my favorite college quarterback of all time outside of Iowa quarterbacks, is Kellen Moore. I loved watching Kellen Moore at Boise State. If you don't, if you haven't watched any Kellen Moore, if you didn't watch Kellen Moore play for Boise State during those times. Go and watch some highlights of Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was an absolute beast at Boise State. And now Kellen Moore, who played against Andy Dalton in the 2010 Fiesta Bowl with Boise State coming on top, 17-10, is Andy Dalton's new offensive coordinator. Which is kind of crazy to think about. They played each other in a bowl game, and now one's coaching the other one. But it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see what Andy Dalton does to push Dak, or if the Cowboys want to use him... As leverage on Dak if Dak gets hurt he's the very good backup option for him and that got me thinking with Andy Dalton going to be a backup in Dallas he was going to be a backup regardless he he made it clear that he wanted he was fine being a backup whether that was in Cincinnati or somewhere else he said he's fine being Joe Burrow's backup which I thought would be very beneficial for Joe Burrow but we don't need to keep repeating that So, with that being said, I ranked the top five backup quarterbacks in the NFL, looked at each roster, and went through and thought about their backup quarterback options. So, here are my top five backups in the league right now. And I didn't include any rookie quarterbacks. So, there's no Tua. There's no Jordan Love. There's no Justin Herbert. I think if once Tyrod Taylor loses his starting job to Justin Herbert, I could throw him number one on this list with ease as the best backup quarterback in the in the NFL. But Justin Herbert's not the starter. It's Tyrod Taylor. If they went out and said Justin Herbert will be the starter, then Tyrod Taylor would definitely be on this list. So there's no rookie quarterbacks on here because they haven't played a snap in the NFL. Okay? There's nobody from the Cincinnati Bengals anymore. The Buffalo Bills aren't going to have one. Matt Barkley's not going to be on there. The Jets certainly don't. I think David Fales is their backup quarterback. The Giants were very close. With Colt McCoy, Miami Dolphins might be considered one as well with Josh Rosen there. I think Josh Rosen could, if he gets some stability, I think he could still be a very good quarterback or at least an average quarterback in the NFL. He's just been put in two garbage situations with two of the worst offensive line units in the NFL, in Miami and in Arizona. In Arizona, that was just a bad part on him. They got Cliff Kingsbury. He recruited Kyler Murray, so that's not really anything I can judge off of Josh Rosen's play. They were just so dead set on getting Kyler Murray to fit with Cliff Kingsbury's offense that, yeah, that's just what happened. So we'll see where Josh Rosen can go. Other teams they could look at here, um, the Houston Texans, A.J. McCarron's a very solid backup there, very solid backup option, but, again, did not make the list. Here's my top five backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Starting at five, working our way up to number one. And what I put in here is that if the starter got hurt, that this player would be able to go in and do similar things to what the starter does. So it's not like, oh, this is the best overall player. This is like, if you got if your starter got hurt, would they be, like, if Patrick Mahomes got hurt, would Chad Henney be the better, or um, Matt Moore, whoever their backup is now? Because Chad Henney was their backup. I don't know if he still is, but... Would they be able to do what they do? I don't know. So there wouldn't be on here. I can firmly say I think all these guys can copy what the starters do and what their situation is. Number five, I have Marcus Mariota for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think he is – I think John Gruden really likes Marcus Mariota. And I had him in my predictions had Marcus Mariota going to the Las Vegas Raiders. So I was not surprised at all when Mariota put pen to paper and signed a deal with the Vegas Raiders – for this next season, and I think he can push Derek Carr a lot, neither one of them have extremely strong arms, Mariota does have the mobility on Derek Carr, it's not saying Carr's immobile, Derek Carr can move a little bit, but Mariota, compare mobility, it's not even really close, they might throw some different situations in with Mariota if they want to get him on the field, but I think he could do a job with the Las Vegas Raiders, number four, I have Jacoby Brissett, I think Jacoby Brissett's future is a backup in this league. You saw him last year with the Indianapolis Colts' start of the year. Played very, very well. I think he had 10 touchdowns with no picks or something like that. Or one interception. Beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. So, like, you had all these things where, man, this guy might be the future of the Colts. And then the second half of the season, he did not do any. I think he threw four touchdowns the rest of the year with, like, finish with nine or ten interceptions so it just wasn't a very good end of the season uh before last season i had him as the best backup quarterback in the nfl but there's a lot of good backups now there's a lot of former starters that are backups in this league now that i think are better than him now i thought teddy bridgewater was another backup that was really good i might have had teddy bridgewater above jacoby but they were very close Tyrod Taylor was up there as well, but again, Tyrod Taylor's a starter now. Teddy Bridgewater's a starter now, so they're not options here anymore. Uh, Number three is Jameis Winston. Uh, Jameis signed a very low deal, and what keeps him here instead of not number one is that he threw 30 interceptions last year. I can look at the 5,000 yards, the 34 touchdown passes, and that looks good, but then you look at the interception marks and 30 interceptions. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. I know he didn't have it exactly 40, 30 touchdowns, but it just for the narrative here, 30-30. That's why he's a backup. Now, if he went in New Orleans, I think he could be a very good quarterback in New Orleans. He got LASIK surgery, so now he can actually see, so he could read license plates now. Dude was a quarterback in the NFL for five years and just now can start seeing things. But, yeah, it's so you got that. Um, he can learn from Drew Brees. Drew Brees is one of the least turnover prone quarterbacks in NFL history. Him and Aaron Rodgers are like, they're not going to turn the ball over or not put the ball in any bad situations or bad places for their teams, put their teams in bad situations. I think he could be the perfect quarterback for Jameis to learn from, especially with the weapons that they have in new Orleans. Now, not as good as the wide receivers out wide for the Buccaneers and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans who are which are the the Buccaneers the only team that I can think of off the top of my head that you can put two receivers in the top 10 in the NFL currently out of the team I think those are two players you could put in the top 10 wide receivers in the league I don't think there's any other team you could do that so you got like DeAndre Hopkins for Arizona Michael Thomas Julio then you got Mike Evans Chris Godwin this isn't in any order um who else am I forgetting here I think you could have have done that with the pair in Minnesota, but Stephon Diggs is gone now. But there's a bunch of widers. I think those are the only two you could throw a team in the top ten. But Mike Mike Thomas, Manuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, one of the best pass-catching backs in the NFL, right up there with Christian McCaffrey. He's below McCaffrey, but he's right up there. That can definitely turn your turnover numbers down. The Saints O-line is much better than Tampa Bay's. If J- and Jameis will fit with what Sean Payton wants to do in his offense. So Jameis could be very, very good for New Orleans. I think he could substitute very nicely for Breeze if Breeze goes down hurt again. I think he'd be very good in New Orleans. But number two, I have Andy Dalton. Uh, Dalton is less turnover prone than Jameis Winston. I They're basically... I could flip Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton like that, and I won't even think twice about it. Like it's they're very close in regards of what they could do on the football field. I think Jameis Winston has way more talent than Andy Dalton. But the turnovers thing is the huge thing. 30 interceptions last year. Jameis Winston never went to a playoff game, if my memory serves me right. Andy Dalton at least got there. Andy Dalton's not bad. Andy Dalton is just an average quarterback. But he's not going to turn it over, and I'd feel more comfortable with, well, it's it's close. Him and Winston are very, very close in regards to which one of them's the second or third best backup in the league. And the best backup in the league, uh, this one might be controversial, I don't think it is, but Robert Griffin III for Baltimore. I think if you took out Lamar, Robert Griffin could do what Lamar Jackson does. Robert Griffin got screwed out in Washington. With the organization wanting him and the coaching staff wanting Kirk Cousins, he just the coaching staff just didn't like him. And he goes to Cleveland, gets beat up there. He got hurt a lot in Washington as well. And then just got injured and forced out to be a backup now. And he has accepted the backup role and has done a great job as a backup. And I think if you took Lamar out, again, he's not Lamar Jackson. He can't do everything Lamar does, but he can do it to a similar T. Robert Griffin III was an Olympic hurdler, or could qualify for the Olympics. He was a college hurdler. He can run. He can throw. He can do that stuff. He's not a bad quarterback. I think right now, as we stand, he is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. I almost threw Jalen Hurts in here, but again, no rookie quarterbacks were in this list for backup quarterbacks. I think he's the only one out of the pair, out of the the four, or out of the five that got drafted in the first and second round that will be a backup for a while because so i think two is going to be a starter justin herbert's going to be a starter all the guys that got drafted in the first round will be starters at one point Hertz is going to have to push for a starting job especially with a top five quarterback sitting in front of him in carson Wentz. but yeah those are my top five backups so here's the list five through one starting at five going up to one marcus Mariota, jacoby Brissett, andy dalton or Jameis winston whichever one you want to throw at three and two just flip those two around if you want and then Robert Griffin the III as the top backup in the NFL. Like you look around the leagues, there's not a there's a few good backups, but it's a, we're in a weird state right now to where we don't know who's like all these teams have starters. There's not a lot of teams that really need quarterbacks. And I almost threw in Nick Foles, but I don't know who's the backup in Chicago. Is it Nick Foles or is it Mitchell Trubisky? So, I didn't really know who to throw in if one of them was a backup. They're, neither one was the backup. Neither one was the starter. Speaking of Trubisky, the Chicago Bears declined Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option. And it's kind of crazy to think about this, but four of the top five picks in that draft had their options declined. Like, you look at J- Trubisky, Solomon Thomas, uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, who's number five Corey Davis all got their options declined Miles Garrett was the only one that got his option fifth-year option picked up and that was on April 27th and then you go outside go keep going in the top 10 you got Jamal Adams Mike Williams McCaffrey and of course Patrick Mahomes all got theirs extended and picked up or the the Panthers extended Chris McCaffrey they didn't put a ta- they didn't place his fifth-year option on him they gave him that monster contract to make him the highest paid running back in league history which he very much deserves very much deserves that quota as the best paid running back in the nfl john ross of course got his option declined so if you look at the top 10 we got one two three four options picked up i'm not gonna count mccaffrey because again he got he got a contract extension but if you want to include that then five out of five out of ten in the top 10 got their options picked up which fifty percent out of the top ten picks, you guys are the top ten. You're supposed to be the best players in the draft. And only five of you got your options picked up. And I think only one of you uh two uh no. Okay, never mind. I'm not even gonna repeat what I was thinking. Um yeah, that's that shows again, like what we were saying on Friday, or whenever it was, I can't remember, the draft is not an absolute science. It's a crapshoot sometimes people swing and miss a lot like if you were looking back at the draft now is Corey Davis worth the top five pick heck no Solomon Thomas no not at all is Mike Williams he's a very talented receiver and when healthy he's a very good wide receiver at a thousand yard year last year but is he worth the top 10 pick probably not John Ross just because he had a fast 40 put him in the top 10 same reason why Henry Ruggs got picked First wide receiver this year, fast forty, but he also doesn't drop the ball. He actually has good hands, unlike John Ross. But five out of the ten in the top ten got their options picked up. So not a great raise You'd like to be that a little bit higher. So that shows you swung and missed on a lot of them. You look at the players picked after them. Of course, the Bears could just look back to ten and twelve and go, "Wow, those are the quarterbacks we could have had: Mahomes and Watson." Those are just going to keep getting repeated and shoved in Chicago Bears fans' face for as long as they live. It's going to be talked about 100 years from now. The Bears traded up to get Mitchell Drabisky while passing on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Now if you go back further in the first round, everybody in the top 20 other than Garrett Bowles, Hassan Reddick got their options accepted. And then Marshawn Lattimore and Malik Hooker haven't had theirs picked up or declined yet. Garrett Bowles makes sense. He sucks. Makes perfect sense why they didn't pick up his option. Uh, Look at the other ones. Watson picked up. Again, best player or one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Derek Barnett has been very good for the Philadelphia Eagles. Marlon Humphrey, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Dory Jackson's had a very quiet success in Tennessee. And you keep going back. And then you got 21-22. Charles Harris just got traded to Atlanta. They didn't pick it up um linebacker got dropped by the Dolphins that got declined Evan Ingram picked up uh Cleveland uh, Jabril Hunters for the Giants got his picked up Trey White picked up uh Tago Charlton had a terrible start in Dallas now on the Dolphins his did not get anything (laughs) David Njoku got his option picked up TJ Watt of course got his option picked up so yeah those are what we have so far In the 2017 first-round picks, getting their options picked up or declined with the Chicago Bears obviously not picking up Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option. Have Nick Foles there. So what does that tell me? They're looking for a quarterback in next year's draft. Whether that be uh, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or someone along those lines, they're looking for a quarterback. I just took out Trevor Lawrence because they're not getting Trevor Lawrence. They're not that bad. They're not a great team. Their defense is still amazing, but they're they're not going to be in the top two picks in the draft to get Trevor Lawrence, even try and trade up to get Trevor Lawrence. So it's between Justin Fields and Trey Lance for the Chicago Bears. Which one? I don't know. I'm a really big fan of both of them. I think Trey Lance doesn't get talked about because he's playing for North Dakota State, which makes 100% sense. So am I surprised he's not getting talked about? No, not at all. But he is... He needs to get talked about more. Threw 28 touchdowns and zero picks last year. I followed him a ton last year. You can go back and listen to the older Logan Blackman shows back in October, November, December, whenever. He was the best player in FCS by a long shot last year. He's the best quarterback in FCS. He's a redshirt freshman, now going in our redshirt fr- sophomore season. You would fully expect North Dakota State to be challenging or at least winning another national championship game especially with Trey Lance going with it and if he wins another one and does as good if not better because he's you expect improvement year on year so if he does better I would leave and then you're talking about top 10 top 5 player there in Trey Lance Justin Fields everybody knows about Justin Fields because of him at Ohio State Justin Fields threw one interception last year so or I think he threw three he made a bad throw or a bad read in the national championship game. Or was it bad? I can't remember. I just remember him having his head down after that. But Justin Fields is a beast. I could see him playing for the Falcons like that. He's from Georgia. Fit right slot right into to be Matt Ryan's replacement at some point. But the Falcons, if they're within range to get a Justin Fields, everybody's head's going to roll. The way they've built their offense this offseason, they're not every single play can make a whole offensive first round picks if they wanted to so if they go anywhere near the top 10 they're not going to get justin fields so you look at the teams like the bears who are definitely going to get a quarterback next year it will be justin fields or trey lance i am betting that now trey lance would be sweet in chicago he'd fit right in in chicago from minnesota played at north coast state Plays in the Missouri Valley Conference. So if you want to go, well, Logan, he plays in a dome at North Dakota State. Well, he plays the Missouri Valley Conference, which you have teams the likes of South Dakota State. You have the likes of Southern Illinois. You have Illinois State. All these teams that play outside, and it's freaking cold. Youngstown State's called the Penguins. Like, we... The, he plays in cold weather. He would fit in nicely with the Chicago Bears. And then Justin Fields... He could go to the Panthers. I could see him playing there. Other teams I could look at with him. Uh, if he does have a better season than Trevor Lawrence, maybe Jacksonville goes after him. I've been hearing reports that the Patriots are going to try and get Trevor Lawrence, which is a nightmare scenario for all of us. None of us want to see that happen. It's just like Aaron Rodgers going to New England. Nobody wants to see that happen. But it could. Because that's the way the Patriots work, and it's annoying that they work like that. But next year's going to be fun and whoever the Bears starting quarterback is just know they only got that job for one season because Trubisky I tried to defend him at the start of the season by saying I did this in my NFL preview video I think too I said he's not Blake Bortles I said Trubisky's not Blake Bortles I think he's a better version of Blake Bortles I don't think he'd go somewhere else and be a back that's what he's gonna be I look back at that video and go like man I did not think, well, he was he was coming off a really solid season for the Bears. Went to the playoffs, led by the defense, but he still did a very solid job as the Bears starting quarterback. So I was like, oh, he won't be going anywhere to be a back. He's not Blake Bortles. He's exactly that. He is another Blake Bortles. Mobile quarterback with inaccurate arm and weird throwing motion. And But the only difference between him and Bortles, Trubisky has zero confidence in himself. I think Blake Bortles has confidence in himself. I don't think Trubisky does. Even his head coach doesn't have confidence in him. So Trubisky's going to go a long road like a Blake Bortles and just be a backup for the rest of his career. That's what it looks like exactly what's going to happen. Nick Foles will probably stay in Chicago and then they'll draft a quarterback, whether it be Trey Lance or Justin Fields. That's what I'm seeing this year. If Trubisky wins the job this offseason, which looks very unlikely. Because Matt Nagy has worked with Nick Foles before. So there's always that thing there. Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl, which is going to hold a lot of value to these head coach, to this coaching staff. I, I don't see Trubisky starting in Chicago yet. He might start a few games for the Bears if Nick Foles gets hurt. But as we look right now, it looks like Nick Foles is going to be the starter. And Trubisky is going to be a career backup for the rest of his career, it looks like maybe he goes to the Panthers and re- resurrects his career played at North Carolina he's from Ohio maybe he goes to the Browns backs up Baker Mayfield grew up a Browns fan maybe goes to the Bengals backs up Joe Burrow but as we stand right now doesn't look like Trubisky's going to be a starter anytime soon so I do not expect the Bears at all to pick up or extend him after this year so it's not surprising at all they did not pick up his fifth year option man Bears fans at the time didn't even like the pick. Bears fans now don't even like Trubisky. Like, they've never... Chicago and Trubisky have never had a great relationship. Never have. I don't think they ever will. Bears fans hated the pick when it happened. Bears fans are infuriated every time he takes the field. So, when Nick Foles goes out in the field for the first game for the Chicago Bears, whenever that is, Bears fans will probably be cheering. I like Trubisky. I, I I don't like it's hard to say what I think about Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think he is. He's not a world beater. Obviously he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. He's barely a good quarterback. He's barely below average. He's like around below average to good. Not even an average quarterback. He had some good success towards the end of the season last year, but yeah, I saw someone on Instagram do this or it was Twitter or something. Why does Trubisky get all this haze when Josh Allen and Sam Darnold are seen as franchise guys? Those guys are so much better than Mitchell Trubisky. It's not even really close. So don't sit around going comparing these two to Mitchell Trubisky. I think Darnold could be compared to him a little bit. Because Darnold's had some very bad flashes, but that could be just going down to having one of the worst offensive lines in all of football and having no weapons outside, other than Robbie Anderson. Josh Allen has as many rushing touchdowns as Saquon Barkley they were drafted the same year Barkley was a second overall pick Saquon Barkley's a running back him and Josh Allen have the same number of rushing touchdowns Josh Allen showed vast improvement from year one to year two in Buffalo completion centers up passing touchdowns up interceptions down He showed vast improvement in year one to year two. He went to a playoff game. Yes, he did some things, stupid things that made your heart stop for a little bit, like the lateral thing. But I don't think he lacks confidence in himself. Josh Allen, this narrative that Josh Allen is not a good quarterback needs to stop as well. I've done this a lot on my show. And now, if you want to go in off that, this is the last year you could say that. Because if he doesn't go off this year, then you can say everything you want that he's a bad quarterback. So with all the stuff they're giving him now, it'd be hard to not be good. With Stephon Diggs, uh, the offensive line still needs work, but they did improve it somewhat, getting the likes of Daryl Williams in there. See so if he can compete for a starting spot there. Played in Carolina for a few years. Was their starting right tackle. So you want to push Cody Ford into guard, which is what he was recruited as coming out of college. Or coming going into college, he was recruited as a guard. So maybe we see Ford go back to right guard and push John Feliciano out because the left side to center is solid with Deion Dawkins, Quentin Spain, Mitch Morse, the right side. It's like the chargers with, uh, crap (laughs) Feliciano and Cody Ford. Josh Allen got pressured a lot last year, still made some great plays for the Buffalo bills. There's things that nobody that he can do that nobody else can do in this entire league. I'm saying that with – that's not sarcasm. That's not anything bad. That is 100% true. No one is as big, can throw as far, and can make the many plays as Josh Allen. You could throw Cam Newton at me. If you put Cam Newton in that situation in Dallas to where he lunged for the first down after fumbling the snap, Cam Newton wouldn't have jumped on the ball. We've seen that in the Super Bowl before. So you can throw Cam Newton at me. I don't think Cam Newton would do that because he didn't do that. I'm not saying Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Cam Newton, so don't put that on me either. I think Josh Allen—I heard this comparison last year. I think Josh Allen's closer to Steve McNair than Cam Newton, which I'm—I'm I'm cool with McNair. I loved watching Steve McNair for the Titans. I think everybody loved watching Steve McNair, but yeah, don't compare Mitchell Trubisky to Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold has all the talent in the world. He's just got one of the worst-run organizations in the NFL as his team. Adam Gase has been riding so much off of coaching Peyton Manning. You know how little Adam Gase had to do in Denver with Peyton Manning? Just because you were coached with Peyton Manning does not mean you're a good coach because coach, coach, Peyton Manning Adam Gase is riding so high off that thing. So, it's kind of cr- so. We'll have to see how Sam Darnold does this year. Getting Mikai Becton was huge, not only for Darnold, but for Le'Veon Bell as well. So we'll see how Darnold does going into this season. But I'm guessing this is Trubisky's last year as the as a player, as a, a player that could be mentioned in the same breath as starting quarterback in this league. At least that's what I'm, my gut feeling says anyways. My gut feeling's been wrong numerous times before. So this is, don't be shocked if this is wrong. But we mentioned Cam Newton with Josh Allen, talking about Josh Allen and Cam Newton comparing them, because Josh was compared to Cam throughout the entire draft process. That was who Josh Allen was always compared to, was Cam Newton. And Cam Newton right now is without an NFL team. He is not signed anywhere, and he doesn't plan to sign anywhere unless he has a guaranteed spot to start. And this is very similar, now a different circumstance, kind of, to that of Randall Cunningham. With the Philadelphia Eagles. Randall Cunningham just straight up retired. And then came back with the Minnesota Vikings. And balled out. Was a completely new quarterback coming out after that. Was an elite passer. At that point, he wouldn't run as much. He kind of looked like... It was kind of like Michael Vick going to the Eagles. He did a lot less running in Philly. And was focusing more on throwing. Was out of league for a little bit. Threw the ball. Randall Cunningham was out of league for, I think, a year. And then put up great numbers... In Minnesota with Randy Moss and Chris Carter and then went to Dallas for a year I think Baltimore does that sound right did he go to Baltimore maybe I've still got Steve McNair on the brain but I think he might have gone to Baltimore but Cam I don't know where Cam will go so if I'm Cam I'm not signing anywhere either if I want to be a nailed on starter I'm not signing anywhere and I don't think there's really any place he will sign Because if you look around the NFL, I said this a little bit ago with the backup quarterbacks, there's not a lot of teams that have a dire need at starting quarterback. You look at the teams that you could mention along those lines, like the Jaguars are a team that you could definitely mention there. But they are going in with Minshew, as it seems, and then going next year, going after Trevor Lawrence. That is what it looks like Jacksonville is doing. You look at the New England Patriots. Cam Newton does not fit what the New England Patriots want to do. It I've never gotten that link, at all. Never have. Uh, they got their two quarterbacks, Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer has been around the Patriots organization, basically his entire career. he he got I think he drafted there, left, came back, left, came back, left, and now he's back again to back up Jarrett Stidham. Jarrett Stidham and I've said this before has a lot of talent balled out at Baylor balled out at Auburn and if he went out this year he'd been one of the top quarterbacks taken maybe a second round pick but still one of the top quarterbacks off the board he's got skill so everyone just riding him off just because he's not Tom Brady and not he hasn't started a game in the NFL just you gotta go with him I think Jared Stidham's a guy that they could build around I like Jared Stidham I liked him coming out of Auburn I liked him at Baylor but Cam does not fit what they want to do. Chicago could be one, but they just got Nick Foles. So will they really sign another quarterback? No. The teams he's been linked to, like the Seahawks, the Steelers I've seen being linked to, the Chargers, They, the only team out of those ones I could see him starting for is the Chargers. But it sounds like the Chargers are content going with Tyrod Taylor. Pittsburgh, He'd be a backup there. He'd be a starter next year. Seattle, definitely not a starter there, but he could fit what Russell Wilson does in a bigger body. Let Tennessee maybe go, but he's not going to want to back up Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill just signed a massive contract. Tannehill's not going anywhere for a little bit. Vegas, maybe. I don't know where he goes. That's the problem with him right now. There's not a team that desperately needs a starting quarterback and if they do they are planning for the future like a jacksonville like a chicago they don't really want to put all that money on an injury prone cam newton right now because they got plans for the future. they got plans for next year's draft trevor lawrence Jess, justin fields trey lance are all going to be available next year why would we sign this quarterback to a big and we got future plans with this guy so I don't know. I saw something on Twitter. Uh, this got sent to me. uh The Packers should sign Cam Newton just to see how they how far they can push Aaron Rodgers to the edge. I was like, oh, that'd be funny. But then Aaron Rodgers will go to <laughs> go to New England, so we don't want that to happen. uh jeez, that'd be kind of funny. Green Bay would totally do that too. The relationship with Aaron Rodgers, and Green Bay, is not great. But I don't know where Cam would go. I don't think Cam can sign anywhere, even if he wanted to. But I don't think he wants to either. I don't think any I don't think he has a very big market and there's not any team that really desperately needs a starting quarterback like maybe he could push Jimmy Garoppolo and San Fran I don't I don't really know I don't know where he'd go (laughs) I thought at first the Chargers would be a great I was talking about him going to the Chargers back in October But it sounds like they're content going with Tyrod. So that thing's out. And Tyrod, it worked out with Cam Newton. So there's another obvious link there between the Chargers and Cam Newton. But out of all the teams in the NFL, I can only really see him going to either Los Angeles, Chargers, or Jacksonville. But Jacksonville, as I said, wanting Trevor Lawrence, it looks like. And are going with Gardner Minshew. The Chargers look like they're going with Tyrod Taylor. got Justin Herbert there as well so would they really go out and sign Cam Newton if Tyrod gets hurt would they go get Cam Newton Tyrod got hurt in Cleveland which is why Baker Mayfield got his start I don't know where Cam will go so I think it'd just be best served for Cam to just call a year off come back next year do the same thing Randall, uh, Randall Cunningham did Gene Chizik came out and said, I've seen this before. I got something to prove. And he does. He needs, he does have something to prove. He lost his starting job. They released him in Carolina. Lost his starting job once the new coach staff came in. And it looked like he was gone anyways. I thought it would be best served for him to get gone anyways. Get a new situation. But I don't know where he'd go. I really don't know where Cam Newton will go this offseason. If he goes anywhere. Maybe he just goes on to next season without anybody. Maybe he goes to Baltimore. I don't... Again, there's no teams that need starters. And if they do, they got plans for next year. So I just don't... If you got an idea of where Cam Newton will go, hit me up because I need help figuring out where this dude will play next year. I think he's talented. I think he's still got a little bit left in the tank. But I don't know where that tank will take him. It's interesting. Cam Newton, big talking. You told me a few years ago that Cam Newton would be a free agent quarterback and he'd be struggling to find an NFL team. Like you told me this in 2015. I would have called you crazy. But now we are sitting here in 2020 and he's with our roster spot. Look at all the quarterbacks that are backups now. They were top picks. Mariota, Jameis Winston, Robert Griffin III. Andy Dalton was a second-round pick, early second-round pick. Like, all these high-level draft picks that were used to be franchise guys or were drafted to be franchise guys are all backups now. Crazy. The NFL is getting more um, strict with their starting quarterbacks, not being as lenient. Like, if Peyton Manning, if he had his rookie year that he had, now he'd be a backup somewhere. So you look at Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser threw like twenty interceptions rookie year. I think that would say Peyton Manning. He had a very Jameis Winston esque start to his career, Peyton Manning. But he figured it out once he got a coach a coach that would work with him in Tony Dungy and let Peyton be Peyton and not try to control him. He had twenty eight interceptions his rookie year completed 56% of his passes so it was I don't know the NFL is cutthroat with their quarterbacks nowadays very cutthroat but hey we'll have to see what happens with all these former quarterbacks see how they do as backups now so all these guys they were starters their entire life Mariota Jameis Winston starters their entire life probably Now they're sitting as backups in New Orleans and Vegas. Bet they did not see that. I certainly didn't see that coming when they got drafted. So it's a surprise for all of us. Safe safe to say. But yeah, if you know where Cam Newton's going to go or you have an idea of where Cam Newton's going to go, let me know. Or if he goes anywhere this season, just let me know. And with that being said, I am logging off today for this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It is two Oh three right now. I took a little like half hour break in between the first segment and this segment. Cause I had to eat some lunch and now, yeah, we're done for today. Uh, hope you all, if you're done with school, have a good summer or have a good life planning on what you're wanting to do with your career. Now, if you're not done with school, press on, you still got a couple more days left. Just keep on going. You got summer classes, Man, that sucks, but hey, they're easier than normal class. I'm taking a summer class this year, so yeah, just go on, take them. They're all online again. We'll hopefully have normal classes next semester. And Hall sports coming back and watch the KBO Baseball League tonight if you want to stay up and watch some Korean baseball. The Dusan Bears will be taking on the LG, Tw- LG Twins, so we'll be crushing them tonight, so make sure you watch that game or record them and just watch them during the day. But that being said, I am logging off from the Logan Blackman Show today. This is your host, Logan Blackman, and I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace.